Welcome to the first best ever episode of Movie Fix, the side project side project podcast by six, sometimes five, friends who record from all over the globe. Um, my name is Sam. I will be your director today. Uh, we have. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, I just Alex is laughing so much. You, you sound so much room. more drunk now than you did before we were talking. <laughs> Well, I was He's doing a nice story impression. <laughs> okay, moving on. We have today Alex, our director of photography. <laughs> Are you okay over there? Yeah, seriously, you need, you we need to reschedule. <laughs> I'm just trying to continue the chairman method, but with film stuff. It's not going to so, work. Yeah, direct, our DP, Alex. Yo. <laughs> Our uh, screenwriter, Alison. Oh, hi. Yes. Our uh, assistant director, Andre. Verisimilitude in this podcast is going to be off the charts. And our best boy, Pat. <laughs> I was wondering who's going to get I best boy. I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> it was going to be grip, so just, you know. Okay, so um, this, as I explained a little bit in the intro, very badly, slash funnily, depending on your point of view. Um, this is a side project for the Gaming Fix team. Um, so it's called Movie Fix. And we're going to spend about an hour talking about new movie releases. Um, the uh, schedule is, uh, as such, we're going to talk through um, one film each um that we think the others should watch or that everyone should watch or that is just kind of fun good bad or something to talk about and then after that we're going to do uh black panther we're going to do black panther uh review in the same way that we did the vision and made an abyss where we're going to do a short spoiler free section and then a short spoiler full section um, the idea will be that all of the um, movies that we talk about today, apart from Black Panther, are going to be spoiler-free. Um, if we do manage to slip any spoilers in there, we'll try and give you a little warning. Um, but ideally, we're just going to try and keep it light and simple, um, kind of like uh, similar to how you would probably see any other movie review. Uh, so after all that preamble, um, yeah, so uh, I think that... Uh, I'm going to go alphabetically today. Yeah. So that means that Alex should go first. Damn. What movie did you bring today? But so, his last name is a G. It's true. So we got three A's. And then... As somebody oh, who alphabetizes okay. their Blu ray collection, by street. If we go by last name, we have three C's. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just, no, no, I'm just, I'm just saying. Either way, it's either, tough. Like, initial, yeah, I don't know. It's. It's seven oh nine AM. I don't I <laughs> this. So, it's twenty two ten right now. Wow. You're lucky it's fourteen ten here. No. Sixteen ten. Good lord. Anyways. Um <laughs> Nice. Nice. So <laughs> seven oh nine, huh? Before I talk about movies, I need to let you guys know this this morning or was it yesterday morning? I can't remember. It's all a blur. Uh Cheska 
my my girlfriend texted me and she's like wow good meowing to me and then she sent me this voice clip and i'm like what's this and it's just like her five cats all screaming and <laughs> that's what she woke up to and apparently there was another cat outside and they were just flipping out you should make a you should make a movie about that yeah just just a short <laughs> anyways so the movie i brought to talk about <laughs> was going to be coco but i think i'm actually going to switch that up because i saw a trailer this morning that looks amazing and i haven't seen this movie i haven't uh really seen much about it but it's just so cool that i need to talk about it so first off see coco it's good we've already talked about it a little bit on the other podcast um, but the trailer they released this morning was for a film called Won't You Be My Neighbor. So did any of you guys end up watching the trailer? Uh, I did not. It is 7-11 in the morning. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> so I did not, but only because I figured I'd probably cry at work and I did not want to do that. So that's the thing. It's a trailer. It's a two-minute trailer, and I already started tearing up. I don't know how I'm going to possibly handle that movie. It's um, it's a biopic about um, Mr. Fred Rogers uh, of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And it's just kind of going through his career. And apparently, according to uh, the film fests and such that it's already been at, it's not very, like, uh, it doesn't pull its punches. It also shows the fact, like, yes, he is a super positive dude and he's, like, an inspiration. But he has also had, like, a ton of struggles and a ton of, like bad stuff going on behind the scenes in his life that he had to deal with but mm-hmm. like you know like racism for having a black guy on tv and like having women that were main parts of his cast in you know the the 80s 70s 80s and stuff like that and it just looks profoundly fascinating and endlessly optimistic and i'm so looking forward to seeing it when it comes out in june yeah Nice. I, I am really looking forward to that, and I will be a bucket of tears at the movie theater, yeah. <laughs> like inevitably, like, just because like like anything that's like about oh him kind of where he has that there's that pretty famous clip of him testifying uh, before the Senate, which is uh, if you uh, look at the um, trailer on YouTube, it might be. Uh, recommended it's recommended for me and that just like makes me get really emotional so mm-hmm. he's yeah. a he's a really cool dude yeah he's pros- he, i mean sorry go he's ahead. like legitimately it's not even hyperbole to say he might be one of the three to five best people who have ever been on television like in terms of being a good person and <laughs> like doing good things yeah yeah just as a human i think he's incredibly right. inspiring and mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, that I'm not one of those kinds of people who goes to see movies on opening night, but I think that would be an opening night movie for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you should see Coco and I would <laughs> you should also definitely see Won't You Be My Neighbor as soon as it comes out on June 8th. Yep. Sam, you're muted. Interesting, because I have zero context for Mr. Rogers. Cause oh, that's, that's not. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yes. that's a good point. Uh, just so you know, starting today, I believe there's a Twitch channel that is running all of his episodes. Oh, you should oh. you should watch some of it. Yeah. That that show was just to get an idea. That show was just brilliant. Yeah, like I, just the best children's television. That because today is technically would have been his uh, his birthday had he not passed away. Oh, but okay. Um, mm-hmm. So the Twitch channel is running 90 of his best of episodes, 
and cool. then after that they're going through everything from the very beginning wow so very cool so uh yeah if you can spare like 15 20 minutes i would i would sit on sit in on an episode just to see what it's like mm, i will give that a shot what's the twitch channel for that do you know i believe it's twitch.tv slash slash mr rogers r-o-g-e-r-s cool uh i was mostly doing that for the audio listeners uh okay interesting cool um uh coco is something that i really really loved it's a great movie it was i went in with I think I said on the other podcast, I went in with no expectations and kind of not having enjoyed the past few Pixar movies I'd seen, because uh, the past two I'd seen were Finding Dory and the Cars sequel. Okay. <laughs> the, Finding I, Dory's okay. I did it's not Sigourney Weaver's in that movie. Why? <laughs> but yeah, Sigourney Coco. Weaver did The Defenders, so let's not just like... <laughs> no, no, it's, no it's, not, it's not not shade about Sigourney Weaver. It's just... Why? Why is she the voice of the aquarium? <laughs> oh, she loves confused. doing the voices of computer systems and stuff. She does loads of those. She was also an avatar. Yeah. Well, anyways, I, I like Sporty <laughs> okay, Weaver. Yeah. For the record. <laughs> yeah, Sporty Weaver's great. So is Coco. You should see it. <laughs> great songs in Coco. Yes, actually. Yeah. In Japan, Coco is called "Remember Me." Mm-hmm. That's a, probably a way better name for that uh, movie. I, that movie, okay. One thing to say about Coco, because now we're actually bringing up movies we watched. Um, there's a twist in it that was kind of predictable, and yeah. but the thing about that twist is that they handled it so perfectly well that it didn't matter that it was so predictable. That's cool. Yeah, I, I saw. Yeah. I saw about 15 minutes of it. Um, one evening at a friend's house, they put it on and I fell asleep 15 <laughs> minutes in. Um, but from the first 15 minutes, I kind of had already sussed out what that twist probably was. Mm-hmm. So it's good to hear that that doesn't detract from the movie. No, they, they do extremely well by it. Cool. Very cool. Okay. I will see it at some point. How did you feel about Olaf's frozen adventure? I've never seen it. <laughs> oh, that was in front of Coco. So uh, I didn't see it cause they didn't show it in the UK. But, I've, heard, um, I've heard nothing but shade about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I've heard it from even people who like Frozen. They're like, that was a mistake. Isn't it like, like a- I like Frozen and I, I had no interest in that. Isn't it like half an hour long or something crazy? Yeah, it, I mean, it, was, it was presumably supposed to be like a television special, but they put it in front of Coco, which <laughs> is ridiculous. That's really long. Yeah. Um, I have never seen Frozen. But I have seen the Disney on Ice version of Frozen. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, and it's basically the entire story of Frozen told in thirty minutes with ice dancing. Uh, but instead of having like the ice dancers, they just play the dialogue from Frozen on the speakers. So like they like really really over gesticulate and animate and like while but and like lip sync to that weird is dialogue. Weird. This sounds uh, so like fascinating and odd. Do you know? Do you want to know what else was at that Disney on Ice show? So my fiance is a huge Disney fan, and so she begged me to go to it, um, and I finally relented, and we went to see. We went to see it, and I was basically like, "I'm only going for the popcorn." Um, and the first, so it's split into three chunks. There's like 
basically two huge like half an hour chunks and one like 15 minute chunk so the first half an hour chunk is toy story 3 timely they do with like guys in giant costumes was there like a guy in an incinerator costume (laughs) (laughs) so they did do the incinerator scene and they just turned one end of the ice red and they slowly skated towards it (laughs) (laughs) but wait wait there's more the middle was cars on ice? Stunt cars that were like screaming around this ice rink. Okay, that sounds like worth the price of admission. <laughs> yeah, because I was. I am genuinely kind of considering like, is it coming towards me? Can I see that? Because that sounds bonkers and amazing. I'd probably pay like twenty bucks for a ticket to that. It's Same on here. my Instagram about two years ago. A video of cars on ice. Yeah, if anyone's vaguely interested. It's extremely funny. I like might have to look at that because Cars on Ice sounds kind of amazing and yeah. horrible, but amazing. <laughs> like also the stunt cars had like eyelids, like the <gasps> eyes were moving like what? the cars do in cars. They were like motorized no eyelids. Oh my God, you're selling me on this. <laughs> yeah, it was super crazy. But anyway, Alison, which movie did you bring? Okay. Um- Okay, so I was originally going to bring two movies, um, but I know that Pat is going to be talking about my movie, or one of the movies, so I am going to talk about the other one, which I saw uh, within a day of that other movie, which is Mother by Darren Aronofsky, and uh, that was a movie. (laughs) Nowhere near as uh, uplifting as uh, the Mr. Rogers movie or Coco, but... uh, yeah, so it's basically, I don't want to get, I feel like describing much of that movie is going to get into spoilery territory, but basically it's uh, Jennifer Lawrence is a much younger wife of uh, Javier Bardem. They live in a house and like suddenly there are guests at this house because it's like super isolated and he's this um, famous poet. So it's it just kind of gets, but it's, the thing is about it is that it's like intentionally very allegorical and very uh, kind of obvious about one of the allegories, and I'm not sure if it was intending it was to be obvious, or if that, or if it was just unintentionally super obvious. Like it, it, it but it's, but I don't know if if you guys have heard much about it, but it gets really weird. It gets really kind of disturbing. Yeah, that's what uh, I heard. And the main characters all, it's it's like very, and by very allegorical, I mean like the main characters don't even have names. Like Jennifer Lawrence's character is literally called Mother and that's all she's credited as. And so it's like, gets very, so it's very, it's not so much focused on these individuals as people, but more as concepts for this, this allegory that they're doing, but it gets very violent and it gets very disturbing in a way that like i i can handle a lot of movies but there are a couple of bits in this that honestly made my stomach turn like i could barely handle watching it so it it was it's it's one of to the point where i can't quite decide if that was important to the movie or if it was like look at how edgy we are uh, yeah you know it's 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 really hard to tell um to the point where because of all of this it took me literally 
an entire day to consider if I actually liked the movie or not. I was sitting around thinking, going, did I like that movie? And I think I did, but it it's it's a really tough movie to unpack. But I, yeah. I would probably recommend it if you're up for it. Like I might, if if you if you have difficulties with some sensitive stuff, I might. You know, you might want to look up some spoilers to see if you can handle some of those scenes. And that's not to be like patronizing. It's it's like the legitimately kind of hard movie to watch at points. But it it's it's one of those things where there's so few movies like it that I do I do recommend it on that level. Just because I do like movies where I prefer a movie where it swings it, it like it aims for the stars even if it completely misses. And I. Th- I think it got some of the way there. I don't know if it was as successful as it wants to be, but it went somewhere. It got there close. Um, also, last night I was trying to see a movie before this podcast, a new movie, and I watched the first half of uh, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Do not recommend. <laughs> that was okay. not very good. I hear the beginning of that is really good. The beginning was solid, um, but the thing is, is that the main characters were just so boring. Yeah, yeah, I heard like the movie itself is not great, but that the opening was like pretty solid, which is a bummer because Fifth Element is amazing. yeah, and yeah, so I, Luke Besson, the director, sad to see him not knock it out of the park again. Yeah, and I really wanted to like it because I I do really like the Fifth Element a lot, so. Um, so I was hoping for good things and I was hoping and then I was even hoping if it wasn't very good that it could be at least entertaining like Jupiter Ascending was, which is not a very good movie, but it's very it's very fun to watch movie. Hey, even if it's... roller skates around a city in the air. That's pretty <laughs> pretty entertaining to watch, even if it's yeah, not a great no, movie. <laughs> it's, I, like it's one of those movies where on the one hand, I don't know if it's like as a whole very great but I had a blast seeing that in the theaters. So I was like, okay, at least I was hoping that at least if it wasn't, if this wasn't a great movie, I'd at least have a good time like I did with um, Jupiter Ascending. Whereas Valerian was just like, the main characters were so dull and so had such a nothing presence that it was just the most boring like thing. And even though there were all these incredible visuals and interesting ideas, I just could not, bear to watch more than an hour of it yeah so if i can step back into mother for a sec because yes. darren aronofsky has a tendency to make uncomfortable stuff would you say it's comparable to requiem for a dream in terms of uncomfortableness i, I actually haven't seen that i mean i've heard bits oh, of it okay. but i haven't gone for it uh it's i'd say from what i know of that i'd say it might be comparable like there is a there's a couple two small two bits of the movie in particular that were very intense and very hard and it's the type of thing that you're going to think about for a long time um that said i don't know if that's necessarily um if it's like sustained comfortability like like there's some there's a lot of weirdness in the movie and there's a lot of uncomfortable bits in the movie but it's not nigh unwatchable until the end like it, it's you can do i can you can power through it or you can watch it and be like okay this is like i was i was watching it going okay this is weird but i don't know if this is 
unwatchable and uncomfortable and gory like people have been saying and then i watched it and i was and i was like oh and then it got to the last third of it and i and i got it i got why people were talking about it like that so have you ever seen uh antichrist no i haven't <laughs> i'm kind of curious as to how comparable to that movie this movie is because it seems to play on some somewhat similar themes and that movie is fucked up <laughs> yeah, that is hard to I, watch not one i would recommend for a lot of people kind of movie yeah i don't i i haven't seen that because i i mean like to an extent like i like weird movies but i don't like movies if it's just like all we're gonna do is be fucked up <laughs> um like hostile yeah like i it's one of those things where if, if it's for the uh if it's for the purpose of the movie i don't mind but at the same time i'm not going to seek out things that are messed up but that makes I, sense. I don't know like it, it, it i feel like it's 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 very weird and there are very gross scenes near the end that are uncomfortable to watch but it, i don't know if it's uh, i don't know if um the rest of the movie is that uncomfortable it's i I don't know it's it's hard to describe without getting really spoilery into it i do intend to watch aronofsky movies a lot so uh yeah yeah and i think if you can handle it it's it's definitely worth a watch um i've seen it's i so the thing that made me really interested in it is just how polar polarizing it is to the point where I've, I've yeah. seen people say it's my favorite movie of 2017. It's some people think it's like the best movie of the year by far. Others are, think it's terrible. It's 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 horrible. So it's 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 very polarizing. And I, I don't know if I'm on one of those ends. Like I, I liked it, but it's I don't know if it's it's definitely not my favorite movie of the year. But it's I, I think it's definitely worth a watch if you think you can um stomach some of the stuff. Cool. Yeah, it's on my on my to watch list, but with also I'm trying to psych myself up to watching Raw. Has anyone seen that yet? It's a movie about cannibalism. It's mm-hmm. meant to be like um mark commode who's like the biggest film critic in the uk he's kind of similar to roger ebert over here and gave it his like best film of the year award so he's super he's usually right so i feel like i have to listen to have to watch it but apparently it like made people throw up in the cinema rough because it's so realistic that sounds disgusting but Um, also like yeah that's that's not anything I'm interested in. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really up for it, which is why I'm trying to psych myself into watching it. But I think it's going to take a while before I do it. Maybe I'll do it if we do another one of these. I'll do it in time. As, as long as it isn't anything like Cannibal Holocaust. Um, I have no idea whether it's anything like that, but apparently it's, um, it's probably not that far off from that. Yeah, that movie is it's, intense. Apparently it's super rough. I watched the trailer and I was like, this looks really intense. <laughs> Speaking of really intense, Andre, what uh, film have you Yes, I have brought the most intense Japanese movie of 2002, Ping Pong. 
go on. It is ping pong uh, the animation. It, no, no, it's it is a live action movie about a high school ping pong uh, club. About specifically, it's about like two boys uh, who are friends uh, who become friends through ping pong, I guess. And one is like supposedly this prodigy. Uh, and then there's like some Chinese guy who came over from China because he didn't make the national team and he just beats everybody. And he's kind of like the bad guy. Uh, there is like, I don't know, this was a movie where I could like see that it was a film. Like, ev- like all the bad guys, bad guys, quote unquote, are wearing like dark clothes, black shoes. The good guys are in the lighter colors, white shoes. Uh, when a guy's in a down slump, he starts smoking cigarettes and grows his hair out. It's not clear on like how long that period of time is, but like he goes <laughs> from like short hair to like below his shoulders and and like is smoking cigarettes. And it's like, have you? That, that looks like two years of hair growth, but I don't think you were uh, <laughs> like a first year when you. <laughs> I don't know, it, was, it was wild. Uh, it's kind of like a little uh, surreal at times. Um, with like flashbacks and things like that. No, but it's like a fu- it's a fun movie. Uh, if you can get a hold of it, I I would recommend it. Just a fun, goofy sports movie. Whoa! Did that Feel guy good. have butterfly wings? Uh, yeah, yeah, like surreal. Like I said, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, obviously he's a butterfly because popular ping pong brand butterfly. Um. Someone's some someone's making some noise on the ground. Uh, Sorry, it's my cat. Uh, <laughs> playing with a toy. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just shit. ping pong, pretty good. Get more foreign film in your life. Character's well, name is China. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's very just like cut and dry. Just here, here are the good guys. Here are the bad guys. Uh. The characters' yeah. names are Smile, mm-hmm. Dragon, China, those are all, those are all Butterfly nicknames. Joe. Those are all nicknames. Butterfly Joe is the uh, uh, is the coach. Smile is uh, the friend who was taught how to play ping pong when they were young. Uh, Dragon is he's kind of like their childhood rival. Oh, who else? Uh, do you? Uh oh, what's his name? I forget. There's another whoever the other one is. Uh, Dragon and Akuma. Akuma, that's a demon. So that's uh, he's uh, dragons like oh Peko Peko. Uh, he's always like you can call me Mister Peko. And then when he uh, loses when he loses his uh, ping pong smile, he goes to an arcade and starts playing arcade games. And then he's like smoking a cigarette, playing arcade games. And then someone's like, "Hey, move! I want to play." And then he like puts the cigarette out on his face. <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, <laughs> you should see that movie. It's, it was pretty fun. Okay, I will look out for it on Netflix one day. It's not the most exciting film, but it it is enjoyable. Cool. Okay, so Pat. Yes. I think you've got a film that uh, I have all of us. I think all of us have seen this movie at this point, or uh, most of us have seen this movie. Uh, we'll try and keep it zero spoilers. Yeah, totally. Uh, what are you talking about? 
uh, so the uh, the movie that I saw this week was uh, Annihilation, um, the adaptation of the Jeff Vanderbeer novel uh, directed by Alex Garland. Um, the The novel is one of my favorite, probably. Uh, since I read that, I don't think I've read anything better. Um, definitely one of my favorite novels and um, one of the best in recent years in terms of weird fiction, for sure. Uh, it's a really disarming book because you kind of, at least I came into it expecting like sort of a survival story crossed with a little bit of weirdness and you come out of it like it's just, it's totally insane and uh, interesting and like, it's like really, really good J.J. Uh, Abrams style storytelling, but like better than anything J.J. Abrams has ever done, and I'm a fan of his. So, <laughs> in that, it's just there's weird stuff going on, and and um, it doesn't answer all of the questions that it poses, but it gives you really good co- questions to to like leave with. So anyway, um, I read the the book uh, quite a while before the movie was announced. So when it did get announced, it was really exciting because uh, I really I'm a big fan of Ex Machina, which was uh, Garland's last movie. Um, <clears throat> I uh, that was one of my favorite sci-fi movies the year that it came out, and uh, then you know they attached this this movie has uh, stars Natalie Portman and Oscar Isaac also, um, who are two uh, you know phenomenal actors. Uh, so anyway, I was really excited because the, the the casting was great, and at the end of the day, I think the movie is very good but it's a very poor adaptation of the book which was a little bit disappointing um i've kind of thought about it a lot since then and and it i think i like it more separate from the book the more i think about it uh because i I think it really does have a lot of cool ideas and the visuals in it are stunning but uh it, it, it just it's so I mean, it's like if you took if you took all of the original Star Wars trilogy and made it into an hour and a half movie that cuts out like everything except for the part where Vader is Luke's father and they blow up a super weapon. Like it's it's a very very dumbed down is the word I would use, and I don't like to do that because I feel like using that term is kind of reductive. Um, but in this case, uh, it, it's it's definitely like they took they kind of Garland kind of took a lot of the really. Uh, high-minded ideas of the book and made them very blunt instead of kind of interesting and esoteric just very like like they sort of like they never explain in the book what's going on in the in the like zone that the story takes place in but in the movie they just straight up say it with a line of dialogue like what's happening and i was like you're not supposed to explain that so it kind of lost the nuance yeah totally and yeah um and i guess i should say for the for the record the the sort of the uh, plot lead into this to the story is that there was an event that happened um on the california coastline and it caused a stretch of this national park to become like uninhabitable uh or so the government says um but like what's actually happening there is really weird and mysterious and nobody knows and nobody understands it. So they send in these teams of researchers uh, and the researchers never come back. Um, so uh, it's kind of like all these characters in this movie have motivations for going into the zone. Uh, and it sort of follows this, this team. That's the first team of all women that have been sent into the zone. Um, and then 
shit gets weird from there. Like saying anything else kind of spoils it. In fact, I would recommend against watching trailers for it if you haven't seen them yet, because shit. that helps you more. <laughs> but eh, you'll be fine. You've heard us talk about it enough that you know. Like it, but it just gets really weird. I would say I think all the most interesting parts of the film weren't in the trailer. Correct. Yes. Yeah. I just imagine that you could be even more surprised by it if you didn't have any frame of reference for what it looks like because uh, the visuals yeah. are definitely the most surprising thing in the in the yeah. movie, an interesting so, thing do you think yeah. as someone who has not read the book nor seen any trailers or anything would that be a good experience going in blind sure that's, yeah that's that's what i did uh, tuesday night and i i enjoyed it uh mm-hmm. i thought the story like I like I wasn't blown away by the story or anything, um, but the visuals are incredible, and the story's not bad. It's just there's just not a lot like, of it. Yeah, yeah it's very <laughs> it's a very simple story. That, and that's it's like, I mean by dumbing down. Yeah, it's like three hours long, isn't it? Or uh, two? It's just two. Oh, okay, it's two. I, I, I it remember being like it was like an hour and forty. No, no it's two it's, hours. It's two hours. So. Um, from my understanding, I'm a bad fan in that I've only actually read the first of the three books in the trilogy. I've read about half of the second one, and I have them all sitting on my shelf now, so I'll actually finish the trilogy. But my understanding is that Garland incorporated elements of the second and third books um, into his story. Actually, he wrote the screenplay bef- before the first, the second, the last two books were out. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, so I think that... He kind of extrapolated, but I mean, he he only wrote the screenplay based off. Well, of the then, first given book. that he basically, it's like he read the first third of the book and then wrote just wrote from there because like nothing in the back, like the book story isn't represented at all. Um, mm-hmm. it, the concepts and ideas of like what's taking place in the area are there, but the actual story is like could not have diverged more by about the point where they step over the threshold into the zone. From then on, it, the movie is completely different than the book. So no, weird. Random question, not related necessarily to Annihilation, but can you think of any single movie, like not trilogy, that was a really good representation of the book that it was taken after? Uh, yes, I, I'm having it's on the tip of my tongue. You guys go ahead. I would say Shawshank Redemption for me. Yes. Mm. You said single movie. Yeah. Like a not a not a not a series, not like Lord of the Rings or anything like that. Mm. Clueless is the best adaptation of Emma that's ever been made. Fair. Um, I watched this Indian version of uh, oh, what's that? Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, oh, actually, Pride I was just about Pride and Prejudice was mine too. Actually, I, I love that movie. <laughs> So mine was like an Indian version, like a Bollywood oh, okay. version. Yeah, Pride yeah. and Prejudice, which is the That's Bollywood. Awesome. And I, I still listen to oh, yeah, songs right, from yeah, that yeah, because yeah. it's it's super catchy. I was thinking of the Kira Knightley Pride and Prejudice movie, which I don't know that I would say that that's like an outstanding movie, but it's a I think it's a very good adaptation of the book. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, I'm a big, big, big Austin fan. And it's, it's kind of an... Uh, uh, bit of contentious within Austin fan community, but I personally say that think that the 2005 version is a really solid representation of the book, especially with regards to characters. Mm-hmm. It definitely con- condenses a lot of the book because sure. I mean, obviously, but I think it gets the real, uh, you know, the point of the book across and it gets a lot of the ideas and the feel of the book and a lot of the humor in the movie. I, I would say similar for the Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. That was a really 
good adaptation of that book. And also, um, Kenneth Branagh's version. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. one. Good, that's a good one. But Kenneth Branagh's version of uh, of uh, Macbeth as well. Hmm. Um, I was going to say Captain America: The Winter Soldier. It's a really good adaptation. It's very <laughs> faithful to the original text. Fair enough. That's not, it's not a single like series. Speaking of penises. <laughs> I don't know what that segue was. You'll, you'll, see, you'll see that Stormy Daniels quote, lawyer quote. Oh, God. Oh, no. yeah, I saw it. God. I saw Chrissy no, thank you. That, that segue will never fit, not fail. <laughs> anyway, Annihilation is a really good movie. And yeah. If you haven't seen, if you haven't read the book, honestly, I think that the best experience you could have is if you didn't watch trailers and you didn't read into it too much, you went to see the movie and then after that read the book. That's because pretty I much think, what I yeah. did. Yeah, I tried to avoid all spoilers before I saw it. I haven't read the book yet, but I'm planning on reading it. Yeah, um, but I really loved that movie, and that's. Yeah. Uh, I think that there is a like having not read the book i feel like there is actually a decent amount of nuance but just maybe not the nuance that existed in the book yep. uh there's just it's just different it changed a lot which i think there is definitely value into making movies that diverge really yeah, totally. strongly from that mm. book like uh one of my favorite movies that i think is super underrated is the uh, movie stardust which is based off of yeah. the neil gaiman book yep. um but it's very they're very very different yep. but both are really good so yeah i mean i i uh i feel like that's actually an interesting form of like one of my favorite movies ever is 2001 um and that's an interesting case of like both were in production at the same time and i think that that can be a really valuable so the fact that like hearing that the screenplay was written before the second and third books come out actually makes me like the movie more knowing that um, because it also allows them to be different experiences. And I think that that's really cool because if you just, if you just do a straight adaptation of the book, it can lead to people like now I can say to people who like annihilation, I can say, well, you should actually read the book cause it's super different, which is, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I, I think that, I mean, books and movies are such different. Um, they're, they're both so different yep. media that it, it, have, trying to get something to be a completely 100% accurate uh, adaptation is is uh, never going to really work yeah. <laughs> just because it's there's always going to be differences. There's always going to be, you're never going to be able to have the same level of detail in a movie that you have in a book. So totally. I, I think, I, yeah. I think my final kind of point of comparison between the movie and the book would be that by the and I don't think this is spoilery at all to say, but by the end of the movie, you have a pretty well-formed idea of what is happening um, to the point where you could almost kind of, it answers pretty much everything, pretty much. Um, there's there's definitely some like open-ended questions, but they kind of feel like they don't matter. Or they didn't feel like they mattered to me by the end of the movie. Whereas in, by the end of the first book in that trilogy, it is almost no answers and you have a thousand questions. And so I think that that's an interesting way that the storytelling is different between the two, because by the end of the book, I was like, I don't know what the fuck I just read, but it was amazing. Um, and by the end of the movie, it's like, okay, I think I can piece puzzle piece together all the parts that they kind of didn't give you. Hmm. Um, in very quick book to film conversation, uh, the prestige is one of my favorite, one of those, because 
the book and the film, the the book has uh, basically an entire storyline that isn't used in the book set in the modern day. Um, I would super highly recommend reading it. It's really good. Interesting. Yeah, I've never read it. And it's my favorite movie of all time. And the book is like just as good. Interesting. But yeah, um, so uh, the movie that I brought today is something that is a little bit near and dear to our other podcast, Heart, uh, video game adaptations. Uh, so I decided to force myself to go and see the 2018 Tomb Raider last week. I was one of five people in the cinema on opening night. Uh, as the, the guys can attest, as I sent them a picture of an empty cinema. Um, so the, you lied. You lied. Well, people came in as I was taking the picture, I have to say. I was going to try and remake the Hulk Hogan picture. Um. But anyway, so uh, basically Tomb Raider is an adaptation of the uh, 2013 video game, um, but with a huge number of plot points simplified because, you know, that's like a 15, 20 hour game, whereas this was a 90 minute movie. Um, Alicia Vikander is really good in it. Um, She's kind of exactly what I would have been looking for from Lara Croft. Um, like she's obviously like very fit and looked after herself in prep for this. Um, yeah, it's just it was really cool. Um, I wouldn't say that it is a great movie. Um, I would say it is fine to good. Um, about on the same sort of level as say Justice League. If any of you guys saw that last year. Um, nope. I would say that it is a solid two to three out of five, um, you know, Netflixer. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, it, it, I enjoyed it. Um, I have a pretty low bar for movies. Uh, so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say over and over again, my quality bar for movies is actually pretty low, um, especially if it's like adapting something that I really liked. And the 2013 Tomb Raider game is probably one of my favorite uh, games from last generation in terms of just kind of how much fun I had playing it. Um, and they adapt loads of stuff really well. And there's like uh, about 40 minutes of the film is Tomb Raiding. Like uh, the whole end of the movie is them going into and solving puzzle after puzzle after puzzle to get to the center of a tomb. Uh, kind of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, not Temple of Doom, and the uh, Indiana Jones and the... Uh, Last Crusade style. Last Crusade, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's a fun... It is a fun movie. Um, They don't take themselves too seriously. The only real problems, um, to be honest, like the the real downside is that Walton Goggins, a absolutely fantastic character actor, completely phones in his performance Mm. to the point where it makes me feel like they cut scenes where he was being a bit like the whole thing about Walton Goggins is that you can play characters that are kind of wired and a little bit crazy. And he just didn't do that. Like not at any point. There's like two scenes where he talks about like basically his whole, his character's whole motivation is he's stuck on this Island and he can't leave that. He's what they won't let him leave the Island until he finds the tomb. And um, he constantly says, oh, I haven't had anyone to speak to for seven years. And like 
then he steps out of his tent to his team of mercenaries who all speak English and who he then speaks to immediately, straight away. And he also has a satellite phone where he can call people from the island. <laughs> it's an extremely weird plot point that they bring up constantly and it makes absolutely no sense. Um, uh, yeah, so I feel like there was there was a different plot for that character. And when they rewrote it, they didn't change any of his lines. Um, huh. So Dominic West kind of phones it in as Lord Croft as well. But at, at any point, do they run up a pyramid? <laughs> they don't run up a pyramid, but there's like there is some quite cool acrobatic stuff in the tomb. Like there's um, does like, she fight a robot? No. There for, are no for like a, was it a, a, a CD? Is that what she fights it for? A USB drive? Yeah, I think. So yeah, it's for a zip drive, probably. <laughs> we watched. We watched that scene in my. Uh, was it my gender in film class? It's a great representation of gender in film, right there. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. It, we had a. We watched that in Wolverine, the first one. <laughs> uh, I, only, the only thing parts, I would say. Only parts. The one thing I would say is that uh, this film probably could work quite well in a gender in film class. There are lots of... It passes the Bechdel test. Uh, the main character has agency. She's always trying to convince people to do what she wants to do. Um, it's... Yeah. She, like, Alicia Vikander is... You know, the script isn't amazing. As I've said before, it looks like it had probably about 10 writers and about 10 rewrites and maybe none of them spoke to any of the others but um that sounds like uh, alien the, the prometheus, alien prometheus covenant no prometheus oh prometheus oh two um, good movies yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, hey i love both of those movies oh okay. i'm not being sarcastic um, but yeah, so it's the best movie I've seen with a score by Junkie XL. Uh, so that's a plus. <laughs> well, say that name one more time. Junkie XL. Junkie XL. Yeah. Okay. He did the score for Batman vs Superman. That's the only reason I know I, I've heard of that DJ, <sighs> DJ slash electronic music producer, etc. Mm -hmm. That's a um, bad movie. Yeah, that is that is one of the worst films I've seen at the cinema. Well, yeah. The worst film is Reign of Fire. Uh, I think Batman vs Superman is worse than Reign of Fire. <laughs> I'm gonna make that oh, statement. I don't know. When Reign I of watched, Fire is at least entertaining. I didn't want to leave the theater. When I watched Batman vs Superman, the only thing I felt afterwards was a need to watch a Van Helsing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why. So you can I watched watch a better movie, and that's watched, not a good thing. I watched Van Helsing after watching Batman vs Superman. <laughs> Several people walked out of my screening of Rain of Fire. Not like one or two, like I would say half the same. I also saw that movie. I was not, I was fairly young when that movie came out. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I saw Spring Breakers in theaters. And I love Spring Breakers. <laughs> me too. Uh, but the frat boys and sorority girls behind me did not. Yeah, well. <laughs> at the end of the film, they just loudly that fucking sucked. <laughs> yeah, I think 
I didn't walk out of it, but the closest I came to was Sucker Punch. Mm. Uh, it's also a bad movie. Yeah, I've not seen it. Wow, well, weird. We've listed two Zack Snyder movies in the last couple of months. Strange. <laughs> yeah. I remember the 300 being good. Yeah, right, guys. Like he's almost like he's done one good movie. It, what, what Watchmen? <laughs> wasn't that sequel to 300 supposed to be good? He didn't direct it. He yeah, exactly. Exactly. It wasn't a Zack okay. Snyder movie. All right. Um, the, in Zack Snyder's still... defense, in Zack Snyder's defense, I thought Watchmen was a good adaptation. Yes, it is. No, great because it fucks up the ending, which is one of the best parts of Watchmen. I think they couldn't have done the same ending as the graphic novel, though. I disagree. It was they, <laughs> you, we have computers. <laughs> what, we can what make what crazy if, visuals. What if Zack Snyder did the DC Watchmen crossover? Like in the comics, uh, yeah, Doomsday Clock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What if What if Zack Snyder did Doomsday Clock? I don't think Zack Snyder should be allowed to act or to direct anymore. I don't think he should even get jobs personally. I don't think Zack Snyder is going to direct anymore. Apparently, he was subtly but not publicly fired from Justice League for it being so bad. Yep, awesome. It was well, too. Well, he also had a personal tragedy that meant that he needed to leave that early. Oh, I didn't even know that. That's be, be nice to him. I mean, yeah, like he—he's yeah. not. I don't think he's a great filmmaker, but there is yeah. a legitimate reason why he left Justice League early. Okay, that's uh, fair. There were talks that he was even let go before that, though. Mm. Yeah, mm. the 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 there was some guy that was tweeting on Twitter who left. He was like, "I've just left the movie industry. Here are all the secrets I know." Uh, and one of them was Zack Snyder was fired six months before his daughter committed suicide. And uh, he, they were just waiting for. They, they were like, the he was fired six months before he announced that he was. Uh, but they were waiting for like Joss Whedon to kind of fully sign on and blah blah blah, and then kind of his daughter unfortunately committed suicide, and uh, yeah. he he was probably he was NDA'd like, to all hell. Yeah, wow. and he was like, I'm out. Well, and I don't wish any ill on him, like, as a... As a yeah. I think there's things he could do in movies that would be great. I just don't think directing is the thing. I think if he, as a as a visual designer, and, like, uh, a lot oh, of his sure. action sequences are yeah. awesome. So, oh, yeah. he's yeah, got I, a great eye for that, but just, just, his dialogue and, and directing are so bad. Can you imagine uh, what would have like, happened if Zack Snyder had directed Black Panther? Oh, God. Oh, it would have been, yeah. It would've it probably wouldn't be doing this podcast. Even more slow motion. <laughs> None right. of the Dora Milaje would have been wearing anything across their midriffs or legs or oh arms. Speaking of which, we should move on to Black Panther. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> real quickly, though, Man of Steel is a great movie, and I defy people. I, hate, I love it. I thought it was okay. I didn't. I, I wouldn't say it was. I don't great. like the Superman costume, but I like that movie. I, have not I, seen it. I thought it was kind of a mess, but I mean. But we don't need to get into it. <laughs> we could talk about that on another podcast. Black Panther is not a mess. Yes, no. that, that is unanimously not a mess. Black yeah, Panther. the 18th movie in the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, directed by Ryan Coogler, starring Chadwick Boseman, Michael B. Jordan, and uh, a host of other fantastic actors and actresses. Martin um, Freeman. <laughs> Oh God, dude, Martin. Sorry, I'm sorry to interject, but Martin Freeman with an American accent was mind blowing, wasn't it? It was weird. It's very odd. 
He was in Civil War, so I was prepped. Okay. But yeah. his American accent was extremely bad in Civil War, and I felt <laughs> like they told him to work on it. Yep. I think he got better. He should have pulled like a Don Cheadle in Oceans and just like rolled with a bad accent and made it even worse. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's what I assume Benedict Cumberbatch has been doing in every Doctor Strange movie. Oh my god, his accent was his terrible. Accent <laughs> terrible. Yeah. He's got, a, he's got a weird voice. But the more I, I think about that Doctor Strange, English and never explain it so yeah i don't think that that well this is a different movie different marvel movie but i in retrospect don't think that dr strange movie was very good at all no i didn't like it as soon as i finished i thought it was fine i don't think it was terrible i don't think it was great i don't think it was horrible like it's it's like bottom tier marvel for me but it's Mm. not the worst marvel movie i've ever seen Um, it's not bad it's just not great yeah okay so here i can spin this into a segue uh the reason i didn't like doctor strange was because it was another playboy asshole like super smart guy being playboy's super asshole smart guy and then suddenly has like superpowers and blah 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 it kind of was just the plot of batman begins (laughs) yeah so it was like you know we already have tony stark and blah 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 yeah and with black panther you it's you get guy who isn't playboy asshole he's royalty uh and maybe the one thing i didn't care for was or it's not even i didn't care for as i would have liked to have seen more of a focus on the people of wakanda and like life in wakanda instead of just like their royalty because it's really just like a power struggle amongst royals and stuff like that that's very true it's you only get that perspective yeah. Uh, also to the point where I, I, I saw it with a friend and uh, she hasn't seen quite as many Marvel movies and doesn't know the comics. And she one of the first comments she immediately had was they need to have a new system of choosing of deciding things in that country. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Other than like a, a duel to the mortal death. combat fight to the right. death. I so, mean, it doesn't have to be a fight to the death, though. Right. Yeah, it shouldn't be a fight to the death. death. Yeah. No, but so, but I mean, like it, having a having a <laughs> ritual combat is doesn't seem like the best. Maybe plan. I think that part of why that movie's uh, aesthetic works as well as it does is because, like, they have a really, it's just really cool to see this culture that believably is like extremely scientifically and technologically advanced, but still has so much respect for its roots, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is is. Um, I think uh, impressive that they were able to do that without it seeming like dumb, I guess. Yeah. Like that movie could have been really stupid really easily and it wasn't. Uh, and yeah. that was, that's impressive to me. They, There's only a lot of that in the themes of the story. Like mm-hmm. every, they're, they're like, the whole thing is kind of like traditionalism versus modernism. Yeah. And I think that the, it's, it's sort of, like part of the reason that I think that maybe they still have practices like that is even though they're, they know about the outside world, the outside world just doesn't know about them. They're still very insulated and they still avoid contact with yeah. people right. out in the world. So it would make sense that some of their customs might seem like a bit dated because they're not really participating in the global stage. Mm-hmm. Right. For sure. So I think I'm not a huge Marvel movie fan. I actually had this talk with Cheska the other day where I tend to, I think there's like, this is maybe the only Marvel movie I actually like. Like I did not like the Avengers or Dr. Strange or Iron Man or Captain America or any of those, any of them I've seen, but this one, cause this one stood out to me in a way. And actually I watched it 
twice, uh, once with Cheska and once with my best friend, who is super burnt out on superhero movies. And that's where I was coming in. Yeah. Yeah. And we both like we both walked away saying, like, yeah, that's a fantastic movie. And I think one of the reasons that it was so fantastic was like purely Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. He was so good. Yeah. Like he, he was the finally a time in a Marvel movie that you could 100 percent agree with the villain. Yeah. <laughs> Which was like kind of weird to say. But, like, you could look at his point and you'd be like, you know what? That's kind of reasonable, even if you're coming at it from kind of a crazy way. It's yeah, I, kind of like the, he's trying to make the mean, the ends justify the means. In to a the way point that, where, yeah. though, I mean, like, he, yeah, he came across it, went, came, did it in a not great way. But the other thing that I've, uh, I've seen is that that's, um, also what Lupita Nyongo's character, Nakia, said, like, right at the start of the movie. <laughs> Yeah, but, but it's like, oh, now we'll listen now that we've had this whole yeah. uh, Killmonger thing. He's a yeah. fascinating character. Uh, I can see that frustration that 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 is a frustrating aspect of the story. But I think that part of the reason that it succeeds so much, too, is just that it's kind of like it doesn't really follow the arc of a traditional superhero origin story. Like coming off of I know it wasn't the last Marvel movie, but like last year's early year movie was Spider-Man. And that was like the most, I liked that movie a lot. And Spider-Man is my favorite superhero. So I was kind of like expecting to like it, even if it wasn't great. But, um, that movie kind of was like the most cliched superhero origin story movie. You could have, like, it was very, and it it worked, it worked for what it was. And I thought it was great, but it, it just hit all of those origin story beats. And I thought, I think that part of the reason black Panther was so successful is that it didn't hit any of them really. I mean, like it was an established character. You yeah. didn't need to know about his origin at all. It was just very like, like in fact, the, at the be- the beginning of the movie, um, when they're in Oakland, uh, I was like, wait, is this like, who are these characters? Cause this isn't, uh, like these aren't any of the the actual main characters what's going on and it took me a, a little bit to even figure out what was happening um because it just is so not an origin movie at all prize it's yeah. forced but at the same time though it's it's not an origin movie but it also i think it the thing that's kind of remarkable about it is that it introduced so many great characters in it uh because yeah. i mean we've already seen T'Challa from uh in Civil War but he he but he wasn't there that much because that's just such a big team up movie so it it did it did a really great job of um uh, expanding on his character and then there's just so many other great side characters that were introduced in this movie and that are all just really fantastic yep. <laughs> to the to the point where it's 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 kind of remarkable how they t- they took a movie and they used and they introduced so many great characters and just kind of did it with such relative seemingly ease and mm. and like but also just made you care about so many new people when sometimes movies I, I i don't know if i necessarily feel that with every marvel movie if i oh, no. if i care about every side character i mean there are certain ones where i do um i'd say the one that came kind of closest for me is the first captain america movie just because i love all the side characters in that but um but pretty much but but i feel like this did, did a, just a, such a great job of introducing the world and the new characters dude shuri is a is a revelation. Yeah. Sure, he's sure. so good. 
What are uh, those? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I saw it twice in the theater, and every time, like that scene in both of those times, every, the whole theater just like fell out of their seats. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so she's hard. great. Being in Japan, like, uh, being in Japan, there were only five people in my theater. <laughs> me being in a group of two of them so there was not much of a reaction for that yeah <laughs> just Aww. just me my favorite thing is that you definitely get the idea that he wears them on purpose to annoy her yep. yeah like, <laughs> sibling rivalry there is very good yeah they, also, the, the family dynamic spoiler. there is really good mild comic spoiler in the comics shuri uh, defeats uh, defeats T'Challa at the ceremony. At one point, it becomes Black Panther. Yeah. What? <laughs> That's super cool. Period of time. Give me this movie. Oh, I that just want, so like I, okay. Good. I love T'Challa and I love Chadwick Boseman and I think he's super great. But at the same time, he's going to have to have his co- his contract's going to end someday. So yeah. if we can have Shuri as Black Panther, I would be like, that'd be amazing. Homeboy is forty years old. Chadwick Boseman is really what. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I didn't oh know that. Oh my god! Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that too when I looked him up oh, after the movie. That's amazing. Dude. He looks like half my age. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, who doesn't look half your age though? Andy Serkis. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I actually liked his performance in the movie a He's lot. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's he pretty rad, actually. Yeah, he he played um, the, the crazy dude really well. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. I mean, that's kind of all he does, but yes. Are we ready to slip into the old spoiler mode right now? Absolutely. Spoiler-free thoughts out. Give me a moment to put it up on the video version. Oh, my only other non-spoiler thought is that the soundtrack, well, I guess not the soundtrack, not the score, but the the album, The Black Panther, um, is like really, really good, and I don't see it not being the best hip-hop album by the end of the year. Um, Really good, yeah fucking incredible listen, but i need to listen to it yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, the songs that in the movie were amazing Ken, oh, kendrick, kendrick lamar has been the most consistent hip-hop artist for like the past five years and this He's is great. no exception so it's really good i, yeah. I think yeah. all, i think that also just kind of um just all the filmmaking elements of it were just amazing like i uh my friend and i we, we came out of it and just immediately said if this doesn't win best costume design at the oscars next year something's up um because just yeah. all the visual suicide design squad. Except the- suicide squad 2 <laughs> not for God. the black panther costume which is infinitely worse than it was in civil war i don't agree i, I think don't it's agree cool. but it looks really cg like you can this is my only like i literally have one complaint with this movie and it's that the suit looks so cg like if you, like I, I when i saw it the second time i saw it loads so like the first time i didn't really see it but then when i saw it the second time he's wearing the practical suit at the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. and the practical suit looks so much better like the practical suit and then when he changes into the cg version the one like the super cool technical techno suit uh like i really saw the difference because i've been forward and back between practical and non-practical i think if i think when like when you guys watch it at home on blu-ray or whatever like you'll see it because it didn't bother me the second time around but i i think i was pretty i don't i wasn't looking for it at all Mm. so yeah, I, I didn't really notice, but I, I think that, I mean, beyond that, the just all the just visual design and the costume design and all the, just everything, all the, like, those little elements worked 
just completely well for me. There's yep. two scenes that I can think of, both of which are spoilers. Yeah, <laughs> so, real quick back to Kendrick. Yeah. Uh, so there's a there's a moment that is akin to Ludacris's music playing in uh, Fast and Furious, but then Ludacris shows up in Too Fast, Too Furious. Or it's like, oh. wait, wait, is Ludacris? Do they know who Ludacris is? Who is there a guy who looks just like Ludacris? So Black Panther takes place before Black Panther the movie comes out, but and the song was written for Black Panther the movie, but the song is playing in the movie. Yep, like yep. in it's playing in the movie space, not just like over yep. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's in the casino, isn't it? That playing. Yeah. Yep. Does Black Panther uh, exist in the world where there's a Black Panther movie? does black panther exist in a world where there's kendrick lamar well that 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 is presumed but exactly the um by the way the suit looks like a practical version of the new suit in infinity war like in the infinity war trailer i'm not seeing the same artificiality so either the effects better or uh they may they've probably got a much higher budget for that movie for effects so yeah um, but yeah, so let's go into spoiler mode. Alex, you've got a couple of scenes you want to talk about. Why don't we talk about one of yours and then we'll go on to maybe one of Alison's top scenes. So and I think then- the most visually striking scene in the entire movie is the first time that he goes into like, uh, I forget what they call it, but like the dreamscape kind of when they bury him mm-hmm. in the sand. Yeah. And it's just that uh, really iridescent kind of background and oh, like it's just super gorgeous. Yep. Uh, I really like um, when uh, big spoilers Michael B. Jordan's character Killmonger goes into the dreamscape with Sterling Brown yeah that's uh, and you can see that it's the exact same set from before but with the like dream landscape out the window which I thought was super cool and really effective yeah that was going to be my next point like that the way they they called back to it was so cool (laughs) yeah yeah I actually hope that Black Panther 2, like a significant portion of it takes place in that dreamscape. I don't see why it would necessarily, but like, I think it, the fate of, of Killmonger is really depressing. And I hope that, that he shows up yeah. in that dreamscape as I mean, like, that, a significant yeah. portion of yeah. the movie. That gives him a way to bring back Killmonger uh, yeah. and Michael B. Jordan's character there. Uh, I anticipate so that, that, be... I anticipate that Jordan took that one film contract because he wanted to maybe rise his star a little bit um because he probably could have been black panther if he wanted to um i think he's probably only in it for the one movie which is why huge spoilers why his character dies at the end that's the one thing i don't like about that movie but, that so th- i did not like that he died but his line that he delivers right before dying is the best line ever Oh, so good. good which is oh uh, bury me in the ocean with my ancestors that jumped from the ships because they knew death was better than bondage like that was such a fucking great I actually, line i didn't like that line that much i thought that I line did. was really on the nose personally yes but it's I, on the nose but at the same time i feel like sometimes it has to be that's on what the nose. Yeah. when that when is, i feel would have said that what other big budget movie would make a direct reference to slavery like that like especially a, I, a disney movie I, yeah. I agree with you. I guess I felt like they made a very minor reference to slavery at the beginning of the movie. And then they made another one, another, I mean, major line, but I guess I feel like I kind of wish that they had 
approached it more directly throughout the film if they were I don't know. It was just weird. It felt really awkward to me. And I felt like the delivery of it was kind of awkward too. In a movie where he was so like so much of his delivery made that character. It just felt off to me somehow. Mm. I don't know. I'm There's kinda, a little swagger in the yeah, I'm in the same boat as Pat on that one where like, I mean, I, I think it's like cool that it was in there and like that they, you know, make that connection, but there, I think they could have done it in a better way, like talking about, I think they kind of touch on it, how Wakanda kind of stood by and let things like uh, wars and slavery and things like those happen, didn't step in, they stayed hidden yeah. away and did their isolationist thing. Uh, so I think it could have been like, they could have gone at it in a more, like had a little more technique on it, maybe. Um, now, with that said, uh, that's the kind of line that like, if other people like it, I'm really glad it's there yeah, because yeah. my opinions and feelings on it don't fucking matter. Yeah. <laughs> like the fact that I kind of, it, it wasn't we're, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're five white people talking about exactly. So right. somebody else is inspirational or, or like really powerful, then good. Yes. <laughs> I, 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 I hope so. I really like the line, but I wasn't a huge fan of the delivery actually. Cause I felt like I, I, I mentioned a minute ago, like, Michael B. Jordan basically oozes swagger throughout that entire film, mm-hmm. like power, confidence. Yep. And that line is, that line feels like he's reading off an auto cue. I just kind of felt like he tried to deliver it. And really for me, the delivery was the bigger issue over the fact that the way that the line was written, I feel like he kind of read it the same way he read a lot of his other lines with that same kind of smirk and that same like overconfidence. And I feel like at that point, like it didn't work for me anymore. Like I kind of wanted to see him a little more vulnerable, I guess at that mm. stage. Um, but again, I wish he had just lived. So he gets, <laughs> he gets to go out getting one over on T'Challa. Saying, yeah, that's kind of what I got. Like I have the last laugh. Cause yeah, he dies, but he wins. You yeah. want to treat You want to imprison me. So you're no better than, than the people that I was fighting or that I wanted to, you know, replace. I just wish they would have made him like defense minister or something. (laughs) Yeah. I guess that was my point is that like, I feel like that T'Challa wasn't necessarily saying we can heal you so that we can put you in jail. That was kind of why I felt like he made this, like his character wanted to make this grand gesture of like, I'm going to die and it's going to mean something because of this. When it was like, Nah, dude. Maybe it would have been fine. <laughs> like you could have yeah. checked. You could have I, do, I do agree. I agree. Go back that. from where they were, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It's kind of hard to go like, well, but, okay, I, you killed a bunch of people, but like, it seemed like the, it yeah. seemed like they were kind of setting it up in that, like they were setting up that T'Challa was going to be a new kind of king, but Killmonger didn't know that yet. Right. And it seemed like yeah. something they could have yeah. reconciled on and been like, yo, we see similar, yeah. but like, let's find a middle ground kind of yeah. frustrating yeah. although as was pointed out by um the other kind of frustrating that didn't really strike me and when i watched it myself but um listening to waypoints discussion of the movie that austin walker kind of pointed out was that like he's going to be a different kind of king and then he builds a wakandan outreach center and like like just like plops it down in in a depressed neighborhood and in the ghetto yeah and says like you can come here and learn about wakandan technology which is like a very problematic thing that a lot of like 
charitable rich white people do in depressed communities and it's kind of like you say you're going to be a different kind of king but you seem to have the same difficulty in actually reaching depressed communities that like i hadn't really thought about people have i guess i hadn't really thought about it that way but that does make total sense like that that could be perceived as a uh, we'll we'll see how that is actually handled maybe in infinity war because like i can see where that's coming from i i assumed he was building like also like housing and stuff there like yeah maybe maybe it's not maybe but yeah i thought it was yeah that at least the implication i thought was like oh here come learn about science like be a scion like we'll train you i guess like like kind of well like like not just like here look at how cool wakanda is i I thought it was more of like you know beyond that but the allegory that austin walker drew was like when the when the bill and melinda gates foundation builds a coding center in a depressed neighborhood in like south central la that doesn't help anyone right because yeah, yeah, yeah. like those kids need like shoes and houses yeah not, sure. not have, learning how to code I, I don't know. <laughs> for like, sure um, yeah for me i didn't really see it as them showing off opulence or something like that i saw it as them trying to raise up the entire neighborhood and like you know the yeah. world as a whole especially with the after credit scene stuff like that yeah i think that's kind of their goal i just think the way that they physically implied they were doing it at the end of the movie was misguided mm-hmm. and yeah, i would be yeah, interested yeah. to see them touch on that it'd be interesting if in you know maybe not in infinity war but in a black panther 2 if we if it opens up with like t'challa kind of being embattled as like i'm trying and everyone's saying like you're still not getting it that it's like it's really hard to do this yeah <laughs> that could be an interesting plot line um yeah if, if they I just think that then, would be really interesting if wakanda like if we return and wakanda is like this beacon of like they've raised up all of the 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 like black communities around the world by building outreach centers that just teach you about wakanda technology mm-hmm. like that i don't know that's a little bit like that's a pretty big fantasy and not in a way that I think would be helpful. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know if we'll, see, I, I definitely don't know if we'll see it in infinity War, just mostly because we have like a thousand it. characters yeah. in that movie. <laughs> but uh, I could, I, I, I think that would be a really interesting place to take uh black Panther too, would be to see how did it, how did these efforts succeed? How did this fail? Because he's, uh, all, because even uh, T'Challa is still ultimately part of this uh, elite ruling class, and not might not necessarily know what it's like to be impoverished or. Mm-hmm. That's that's why I wish it had shown more of yeah like regular Wakandan life. Like we get like a couple shots of the market, which like were really cool and made me want to see more. But yeah, I wish there had been more. Here is uh, what here is what life under T'Challa looks like. My personal theory is that the next Black Panther movie is set entirely in and around the Wakandan Outreach Center in Oakland. Um, So, like, the most famous Black Panther comic run of all time, uh, like, the most popular, most successful, has, like, multiple storylines set in, like, the really rough parts of New York. Um, And that's where Martin Freeman's character comes from, is from that run. Uh, Agent Ross. So I think that it's kind of all tying in a little. I think basically the next film probably isn't going to be directed by Ryan Coogler and is probably going to be set entirely in America or the majority of. I would much rather see them do a movie set entirely in Wakanda that is like in the on the city streets, like 
seditionists like trying to to basically resurrect the ideas that who liked what Killmonger had to say and what he was doing and are trying to like plot rebellion from the inside of the country and seeing a lot more of that ground level life would be interesting to me but you're probably right the yeah. same movie over again though i don't think yeah. marvel would make that like they like their formula but i think you could make <laughs> yeah. it interesting and different um without making it the same movie over again uh i so, could see uh, that but, i could see that coming like if shuri becomes black panther yeah, yeah maybe or, a big... if they have to do a reboot then i could see that happening there's a plot line in the Tarnahisi Coates uh, Black Panther run, which is the one that's currently ongoing that's been like pretty critically acclaimed, mm-hmm. um, where the Dora Milaje split off from the Black Panther because they're like, you know, we love you, you're a good king, but Wakanda shouldn't have a king, it should have an elected government. And so they split off and they try and introduce democracy into Wakanda. I could see that happening as well. Um, that could be interesting, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's two Dora Milaje basically split off and they join up with some like shady figures from other parts of Wakanda, like outsiders and guys who can help them and give them resources. They're like, they're in a very similar way to um, Killmonger. Their whole deal is the end justifies the means. That They're like, look, we'll do some shady shit to get democracy for our country. And T'Challa's like, look, I agree that a democratic Wakanda is a great idea, but not in a time of turmoil, and also stop doing the shady shit. Uh, um, it's, it's a cool idea. What was kind of interesting for me was most of the Black Panther that I know from the comics is still like that very isolationist uh, king who is like, no, we're, we have to you know, Wakanda has to fend for themselves and blah, blah, blah. And so seeing that quick turn to being more open and like reaching out into the rest of the world uh, in one movie was surprising just because I haven't seen that in the comics so much that I remember. I, I, I don't, I don't think I've really seen that at all in the comics. I think that's very much a MCU deal. Um, they still do like Wakanda is kind of known of, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's not. Uh, I think it's the technological advancement isn't as crazy in some places. Uh, it's it's a it's a different. Yeah, yeah. The, they've dealt with it really differently, and I yeah. like that the movie took its own track. I I yeah. So with the I don't know. Do we want to? Do we have more scenes we want to talk about? Or the the only other thought that I had on it really as a whole is I thought that. Um, Martin Freeman's character was done extraordinarily well in this movie. And I think it was like, I, I heard that their take on it. I've heard takes on it that like, Oh, he's shitty guy, shitty guy, shitty guy. But I actually liked him a lot. And I thought that it was really cool because when he, when it was clear that he was going to be more than in, in more than just a scene or two, I was kind of like, well, that's funny. Like they put, they have like this one, token white dude and i kind of thought mm. that was like a filmmaking joke kind of of like we're going to tokenize this white guy and i thought it was really funny but then when they instead make him a really cool character that's interesting and just isn't the most important one and is maybe the least important one compared to the rest of the the like main cast but still really interesting and he still did a thing that was meaningful and still was like um had an arc and development that was i thought awesome and i thought it was awesome that they kind of i wonder if cougar on purpose made you think oh he's going to be a token white dude actually this is how you avoid tokenism in filmmaking period uh and 
it was i just thought it was an awesome job uh, again it maybe wasn't on purpose but it was cool yeah. you also get that moment where he says oh he's one of ours or you know he's cia and then yeah. killmonger comes in and sets off a civil war which is classic cia move yeah <laughs> i uh my favorite conversation in the entire movie is uh when claw's talking to ross uh that uh, the casino scene is probably my favorite scene um and like the stuff that follows but like uh claw's talking to ross and uh uh he goes he goes oh is this your entourage you are you making an album and 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 claw's like oh yeah um james can you get agent ross a link to our soundcloud (laughs) and yeah martin freeman takes this extremely weary look away from claw and just goes don't make me listen to your music that one that was a good one yes yeah that was fun this was a very funny movie yeah it's super funny uh claw wholeheartedly wasted i would say in that movie in terms of like he did not need to die yeah halfway through the movie. Weird too. i figured like my my thought was put claw in prison let him still be around in the mcu like plot wise it's important for daniel Kaluuya's character how, um but still yeah how fucked up would it have been if claw lived and michael b jordan or if you know uh claw lived and killmonger died like that would have sucked people would be so pissed yeah you're but, right they killmonger had a full arc out. claw had more things to do he had uh, more jokes to make i'm not happy that they're both dead i'm just saying like you can't kill killmonger and leave claw alive. i agree with that which is why they should I, I have to say, I was 100% fine with Killmonger dying. I kind of expected him to die because oh, Marvel so villains yeah. tend to die at the end of the movie of their movies. Yep. And not I, Loki. Well, I did not anticipate at all that Michael B. Jordan wanted to be involved with Marvel past one movie because if he did, he wouldn't have been a villain. He'd have been. Yeah, he had such a good a time. It's, they have to. He has to work on his physique and change up his look so he can be in the new Fantastic Four. Oh God. <laughs> Well, tangentially, let's talk real real talk. Has anyone else here seen Creed? I haven't, but I really need to. It is like one of my favorite movies of the last 10 years. I haven't seen uh, it. Absolutely fantastic. It's super heartwarming and like um, it, it knows why the original Rocky movie is probably one of the best movies ever made. Uh, it's like I couldn't recommend it more. Like, if I said to you guys any film that we've talked about today or, like, that I've seen in the last several years that I could force you all to watch, it would be Creed. Have you seen Girl Fight yet? No, it is on my list, though. It's on my list uh, of boxing movies. Speaking of Girl Fight, uh, Lupita Nyong'o and oh, I don't remember her name. Is it Okoye in the movie? Yeah, Okoye. Michelle, Michelle from The Walking Dead. Uh, uh, Ngai Guerrera. Maybe. Uh, Guerrera. I, I, didn't, I didn't look up their names. Sorry. Uh, but th- those are, they were both incredible. Uh, they got to have really like deep character arcs that you don't really see in movies for women, especially women of color. So that was yeah. cool. Uh, and hopefully one of them is not killed in an Infinity War. 
It's Dan Guerrero. I was very close. I would revolt if if uh, Nakia Shuri or Okoye died in uh, Infinity War. I would like. I I would be so mad because they were yeah. all so good and they were and, and and having like you said just like three women of color have discrete roles, uh, character arcs, growth like it, it, it was kind of incredible. Nanai mm-hmm. Guerrero is also forty years old. Hmm. What? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody in this movie is very beautiful, by the way. Yeah, yeah, We're, yeah. We haven't even talked about Winston Duke. By the way, Mbaku. Oh my god! Oh, yeah, he was so he, he was such a delight. Line in the movie. <laughs> he did. You don't shut up! I'll feed you to my children. And then he just starts crying with laughter, and he goes, "I'm vegetarian." <laughs> it's a great line. Amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, he does bring up good points about like how T'Challa. You know, uh, T'Challa, oh, you're coming to us now. T'Challa just became king, dude. Like, this all happened within, like, (laughs) this is, like, three days after after you tried to fight him to the death. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, now you're coming to us? First time in centuries, and he just got out of a coma. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, mean, yeah, you do have maybe some beef with the previous kings and the way that uh, your relationship with Wakanda has gone, uh, but also... You know, he's here. He's asking for your help. If you want to, if you want to be part of it, you gotta, gotta respond maybe. And you know, they do, but yeah, that, that was a, that was also like a good thing. Like you can't just sit, uh, sit by and then expect these people to be chill with you and help you out. So I also really liked, uh, the fact I I was genuinely (laughs) surprised. I didn't see it coming that they were going to end up showing up at the end. I probably should have, I'm sure plenty of people did but mm. i thought that was a cool turn um that was i neat. wasn't expecting it was neat but um also, aren't sorry. they is their stuff made out of uh vibranium uh, i don't know maybe they of kind of implied that it wasn't yeah, yeah uh, that's the, what I the gorilla tribe guys yeah the mountain tribe yeah, Jabari. Um, yeah every, everything is made of vibranium <laughs> oh okay as uh, as far as i'm aware um, oh, by the way, the Shuri stuff with uh, where she becomes Black Panther, it's because T'Challa is put into a coma by Doctor Doom. Uh, he basically oh, fights Doctor Doom, and Doom puts him in a coma, and she takes the heart shaped herb and becomes the new Black Panther. But then, like two years later, T'Challa comes out of the coma, but because she's like the king. She, she's the queen even sorry um and she's black panther he has to um uh, basically be dead so he has to live in the necropolis which is in the movie um there's a shot of it it's basically like an aztec style pyramid uh, he lives in the necropolis and he isn't allowed to talk to anyone he's not to do anything <laughs> and he like joins this super secret alliance of incredibly badass superheroes cool uh and they like do like like kind of black opsy style save the world missions where they're like look we've got to kill these 10 guys and it's shit but we'll save the whole universe so they turn him into killmonger yeah he does uh, like he is one of the characters who's kind of like look i'll kind of do anything to protect this universe it's very Uh, interesting alex you had something to say oh no i was just gonna say uh 
as I've recommended on the previous podcast and within our, within our chat, if you liked Black Panther, read the, read the book I'm holding in front of the camera that no one will see, but Children of Blood and Bone. It it's by the time I finished it, there's a very 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 direct relation to it in terms of race relation and mm. just representation as well of uh, kind of a traditional African culture uh, in a really 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 cool way. Mm. So. That's it. Uh, cool. Do we want to hit those post-credit scenes real quick? <laughs> First, quick, quick uh, pointer: the UN post-credit scene uh, was originally in the movie. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. It was not a post-credit scene. That's not surprising. Kugler uh, decided last minute he thought it would be better um, as a post-credit sequence. Hmm. It yeah, was it pre the Wakandan outreach scene. It it mm. did not seem disjointed, so that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see what the world relation with Wakanda is, because I think that's that sets up Wakanda actually to be the target of yeah. some like outside attacks. So maybe that's how we get a sequel that's focused on Wakanda. Uh, so we'll probably get some like invading people, maybe uh, trying to take their resources, you know, classic uh, imperialism or something. And then uh, there's also the Winter Soldier at the very, very end. Um, that's more, I think, to set up his his arc for um, uh, for Infinity War because uh, I've, uh, in fact, the thing I was about to say would I feel spoil Andre a bit on Infinity War because I know you've been trying to stay as blind as possible. So I mean, I, I've not, I don't watch the trailers. I've read the uh, comics. Hmm. I just basically a, a huge section of Infinity War is apparently set in Wakanda. Oh yeah, I mean I've seen the clips of Captain. I, I was pleasantly surprised to see not see Captain America show up in Infinity War or in, in uh, Black Panther. Yeah, me too. I was I was kind of disappointed that he wasn't like in the background that, and he did a thing. That you know? movie's got to be all about those people like the people yeah yeah i completely yeah, understand I... it and was like yeah that yeah. was probably the way to go but as a huge captain america fan and knowing yeah, that sure. there's probably only two more times we get to hey, see that as a huge character. spider-man fan i would have loved it if spider-man had been in the movie somewhere but i get totally <laughs> that that it's better for it not having any of the other characters uh even even i think even including um, Martin Freeman's character is a bit of a risk, but I think it, it worked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you had, had, if you'd had Cap, sorry. If you'd had Cap, I think it could have easily gone like White Savior thing. Yeah. Like yeah. they could have done it without Captain, or you could have had him get his ass kicked by Killmonger, but then also like suddenly, wait, who's Captain America? Shit, because like, apparently not. <laughs> so. Yeah, shit. Uh, my assumption was going to be that like basically he goes to cap and caps like i'm really sorry i can't help with internal political trouble that's not what i get involved in and then bucky was going to be help i thought bucky was going to be part of the crew i thought he was i thought that he was it was going to be like you know okoye nakia uh shuri bucky yeah uh, I didn't think Martin Freeman was going to be as involved as he was. I thought he was going to be a real bit character, or I didn't think he was going to be getting involved in any of the actual dirty work action stuff because he hasn't in. He didn't look like that kind of character. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Black Panther. 
pretty much stands on its own, which is cool. hundred uh, percent. Uh, yeah. It doesn't require like any of the other previous, it doesn't have like any infinity stone. I think they had to do that too, out. because I think uh, the, I don't want to make too many assumptions cause I don't have like data behind this, but I think um, because of the audience that it reached, a lot of that audience maybe hadn't seen a lot of the other MCU movies. I know oh, yeah. that was true in, I can say anecdotally that it was true the two times that I saw it because most of the people in the theater, when the Bucky scene showed up at the end, people were like, who the fuck is that? What is this? And then I heard like, I heard like, yeah, I heard like dozens of people at once go like, He's the Winter Soldier. Both times that I saw. <laughs> so I Winter think that um, the answer is on its own for sure. I honestly think bullshit. a lot of the Marvel movies stand pretty well on their own. I mean, they obviously have references to the other movies, but I don't know if there are very many that you absolutely need to have this huge knowledge of the previous ones. You just mostly should know, you know if that character has been doing what that character has been up to. Um, but, but I think in particular, Black Panther does a really good job of standing on its own. Yeah. I think the, the Captain America ones don't stand alone yeah. and uh, Iron Man 2 and Thor 2 really don't stand alone, but yeah. basically every other movie does. Largely. Yeah. Um, uh, first Avenger does actually. But, but I, I yeah. think that those, they still, First Avenger does for sure. But um, I still think that they lean on the, other characters' existence existences more than Black Panther did. Like, right. I guess, uh, yeah. right. I, I think own, they're. But, like, I just think that they're accessible if you if you haven't if you say you haven't seen all the Marvel movies, but you really like. Well, yeah. Um, one of the characters, you could you could easily just watch what the movies that characters in. Let's put it and this way: it. if you hadn't seen Civil War, um, you wouldn't, and you didn't know like Tony Stark's relationship to Peter Parker based on that, like the beginning of the Spider-Man movie would have like nowhere near as much impact as it does. Right. I mean, it might not have as much impact, but I feel like you still get it. Like you wouldn't like, you might not, you know, understand it in the same way, but you might, you'd probably go, okay, I, you know, it's it's, it's like leading up to you you getting it. Yeah. That was me, by the way, I saw Spider-Man without that context and (laughs) it took Jessica just saying like two lines of dialogue. Oh, this is, this was this, this was this. And it was like, Oh, okay. Yeah, but I don't know. Because I had that context from having seen it, I laughed for probably a solid five minutes at the beginning of that. It's movie. an like, extremely oh, wow, good joke. Laugh. Yeah, because I I had like been anticipating it and expected something along those lines from having seen Civil War. But then again, if if the characters don't resonate with you in the first place, then it doesn't really matter. <laughs> uh, so is Bucky the new Hawkeye? Oh fuck. Can we Bucky, just have Hawkeye Bucky's be the a good character, America. please? I think, no, but, I think we have to end Bucky's this podcast. Bucky's the new Hawkeye. Do another episode about Hawkeye specifically. Uh, yeah, okay, I, will, I could about. make us read the Hawkeye comics as, as for one of our future podcasts. I mean, I'm down with that. I've already <laughs> read them. Um, also, we'll real talk, everybody. Wave goodbye to your There Are No Other Marvel Characters in This Movie thoughts. Because like, it's that I think somebody at Marvel said anything that isn't an origin story is going to be a team up movie from now on, like Thor Ragnarok, Ant Man and the Wasp, uh, Spider Man Homecoming. Everyone's going to have guest characters in a capacity. Yeah, I mean it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, to an extent, I mean that makes sense. 
Yeah. And like Thor Ragnarok had Hulk, but at the same time, it was very much like a Thor movie. Yeah. You know, they, I don't know, Sam, you might know better than me. No, both of you guys probably know better than me, but like the, the, uh, the, um, I don't know what is going to happen with the whole like X-Men versus Inhumans shakeup. It was my understanding that Inhumans was introduced originally primarily so that they could have like an X-Men style team in the MCU and that that was kind of the reason they existed in the first place, but now they could make an X-Men movie in theory. So yeah, the comics put a load of emphasis on Inhumans. That's some like Perlmutter shit that Alison and I were talking about the other day. (laughs) Um, Yes when they lost when they didn't have the movie rights to it the guy who was at the time ceo of marvel was like that's it kill off wolverine make sure the x-men comics aren't interesting anymore take the good writers off uh cancel the majority of them yeah and then launch 10 inhumans books of which maybe three were good and that's at a stretch yeah as long Um, as long jaws on it that's okay yeah it's fantastic I wouldn't be surprised if they just completely scrapped like MCU uh, Inhumans. I mean, I we'll have to see where that goes. Yeah. But yeah. nobody really liked it. Like I didn't yeah. watch it, and I uh, watched every episode of that series. But wasn't wasn't Vin Diesel supposed to be like Black Bolt or something? So he said he wanted to be Black Bolt, right. um, but Vin Diesel ain't doing NBC. <laughs> any no, in any well, case. no, but I thought there was supposed to be a movie too. There was, but it got turned into an NBC TV show. In any case, it seems like it's bad. If you were going to do a a movie that is like, this is a new character that you haven't seen before, it would have to be tied to that or the X Men somehow. Because while there are, pro- I know there are hundreds of characters they haven't explored in the MCU. I can't think of any that they would make movies for specifically. Captain Marvel is the last one, right? Well, yeah, that haven't been announced already. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's, um, in my mind, there's a lot. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Your arm fall off, boy, coming in. Uh, yeah, like in my mind, there's a lot of characters that you could still do. Um, I think DC has got a bigger, like a deeper roster of Probably, interesting yeah. characters. Yep. Uh, I don't time- think we're going to see any X-Men or Fantastic Four characters for mm, about right. five years. No, I wouldn't think yeah. so. Yeah. It's too planned. Yep. Yeah, and I, I feel like I don't know. I, I mean, I don't. I remember when Guardians of the Galaxy came out. Everybody's like, "What? They're making a Guardians of the Galaxy movie?" Like, there's a lot of characters yeah. in the Marvel universe that might not necessarily be obvious choices for a movie. But I don't know if much of the MCU currently are the obvious choices, since the most popular or most well-known characters were like X Men, Spider Man. Uh, Fantastic Four, which they did like now they can use Spider Man, but and now they're possibly X Men, all that fun merger stuff. But but like I, I don't know if like much of the MCU is super like oh yeah, this is totally an obvious character to make into a movie. Like, so maybe I, it depends on who the next big bad is because I think with Thanos being the big bad, Guardians makes sense. Like, do we get Galactus since now they've got if they get the Fantastic Four stuff, that means they've got Galactus back. So maybe I, Galactus is the next thing. Fantastic Four is like top tier for me. Like um, Jonathan Hickman who wrote Infinity, which. Um, looks like infinity war is taking a lot of stuff from 
that storyline basically was started in a Fantastic Four comic that he wrote about eight years previously. And he went through about six years of Fantastic Four and then about four years of Avengers comics and finally culminated it in Infinity and then stopped writing comics. Uh, he basically did like a 10-year storyline that he weeded into other stuff, which was really cool and really clever. And uh, I do I do think the Marvel Cinematic Universe is like poorer for not having Reed Richards. Um, one of the best, most important Marvel characters. Um, so I really, really hope that he comes soon. My ideal scene in Infinity War or Infinity War 2 or whatever would be that like, they pop out in the Fantastic R and they've been in an alternate universe or trapped in time or something, which allows them to not have to fuck around with those characters and not have to cast young people and all that sort of stuff. Sure. But yeah, I, I, I want Meryl Streep as Miss Fantastic. Not that old. <laughs> oh, okay. okay, how good would that be? How good in the barrel? Almost like Jeff Bridges was my at one time pick for Mister Fantastic. I think he's about that was about five ten years ago. Um, I think I would have Joel Edgerton now as Mister Fantastic. Um, yeah. So yeah, like I'd want. Um, ideally, I want those characters, and I want them as soon as physically possible because I think that yeah, genuinely the universe is poorer. I also think that the MCU is a bit poorer off for having not really done Hank Pym properly. Um, but yeah, again, another character that I like. But yeah, that, I'm just kind of talking about Marvel characters I like now. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. we should finish this yeah. podcast. Yeah, this there, yeah, there's like a thousand Marvel characters that we, that we wanted get to get better be. in the movies. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I think Fantastic Four could be done extremely well, really easily, um, and with a different tone to other Marvel stuff, which is why I think it should be done soon. Sure. Um, but mm, say la vie. Anyway, let's end this podcast. Yeah. Because it's almost midnight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, that has been a very special episode of Movie Fix. Let us know if you have listened to this um, and if you liked it and uh, give us, as I said before, please make sure that you rate and review and subscribe and like and everything that you can to socially interact with us. Uh, you can find all of our stuff on uh, our website, which is currently fix.space, fix spelled F-Y-X. Um, we're slowly going to be migrating and doing cool stuff over there, I'm sure. But for now, you can just find a big old playlist of podcasts, including one about Luigi's 3.7 inch flaccid dick. Uh, and uh, yeah, if you want to find any of us places on the internet, you can find me at SGCH on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, Alex? Uh, go to Google and type Mom Spaghetti, you'll find me. And Allison? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at W-R-I-T-E-R-S-E-R-E-N-Y-T-Y. And Andre? Uh, Twitter, CoolSlaw, S-C-O-O-L-S-L-4-W. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, Pat? You can find me on Twitter at JesterPC. 
Cool. Uh, Pat and I might even stream some Sea of Thieves this weekend or one evening this week. So yeah. uh, keep an eye out if any of you... I'm going to try and link my Twitch up to my Xbox One. So twitch.tv slash SGCH. Oh, yeah. It's all about video games. Sorry. Damn it. Yeah. Uh, we should again live <laughs> on Saturday night for Gaming Fix. Otherwise, thanks very much for tuning in. Sunday morning. <laughs> we don't work on Japan standard time. <laughs>